This podcast is a product of the 4th and Inches Network. A podcast network designed to keep Husky fans up to date on their favorite programs around UW. Enjoy the show and go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs. This week on the program, Kayla Olin and Trevor Mueller break down the entire 2022 recruiting class. Kaylin DeBoer was able to fill out the class with a few new high school prospects and short up the class with some instant impact players from the transfer portal. While this class isn't going to wow anyone in the national landscape, it is full of players with high ceilings. This is Fourth and Inches, a Husky podcast. Hey, Husky fans, welcome back to Fourth and Inches, a Husky podcast from the Fourth and Inches Network. My name is Trevor Mueller, and with me is Kayla Olin. And Kayla, what a weird signing day period for Washington. Obviously, Kalen DeBoer, a short amount of time to get this class together. Kept a lot of the guys. Some of the guys moved on to other programs, but uh, overall, um, probably not the most star-studded class that we've come to you know, think about more in the Chris Peterson era, but Kind of what's your overall take on this uh, class? It's hard because you can either live and die on the stars matter. Stars don't matter. Right. And I don't really think there's an in-between. Right. And for Kaylin DeBoer coming in from, and I'm not just going to say Jimmy Lake, but from the tanking of last season had done to recruits, to former players. The fact that he came in with such a chaos surrounding this Washington program and was actually able to pull in some of these kids and we're going to talk about them to get some of these transfers. We're going to talk about them. It's a huge get. And while these stars are not Sam Heward or Savelle small stars, they are still going to make an impact, I believe. And I would almost bet that two, maybe even three of these kids play on Sundays. Yeah. And I think that you're, you're kind of on the right track that the last two seasons of recruiting has not gone the way that Washington has been trending as of late, especially under Chris Peterson. But uh, I, I would, I think that you would agree too, that 2020 I thought was actually still a really good class. And you're seeing some of those guys play already this, I think maybe some of it's the size of it, but you know, you don't have that headliner that uh, necessarily you've had the last couple of years in, in the two guys that you mentioned in smalls and Heward, but there's still some guys that I think, are going to be uh, that there's guys because of the transfer portal, there's guys on here that are going to help immediately. And then, you know, with this roster that's so stacked with young talent, still these guys can sit and develop. And what's hard is that Kalen was realistic and I appreciate that. Uh He said, you know, he expects well before, you know, signing day, he said, you know, I expect about a 15 kid class, which he nailed and Washington. Yeah. 14. I think 15, if 15, okay, got a punter. perfect done check hundred percent gold star for you, Yep. but Washington, I think Washington fans trying not to speak for everybody are still upset. The fact that these Washington kids have still gone on to different programs, whether it's, right. you know, Penn state with Dave Iuli yep. and, Ione down at Oregon 
they I suck. You, I think you mixed those up, but I think Iuli went to Oregon. Penn State. And Vega went to. Vega, Vega went to Oregon. Oh, Vega okay. went I'm, to Oregon. I'm going to trust um, on that. First time in almost 15 years, I believe, that a kid of that caliber from the state of Washington right. went to Oregon. Right. And that's going to make anybody mad. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're trying to justify, you know, Kalen still coming in. He's still brand new because right. the damage has been done. And these kids have built a reputation, you know, just as long with Dan Lanning with Oregon and Lincoln Riley and all these other newer coaches, Washington is going to win some. They're going to lose some. Should they try and keep kids home? Absolutely. But I think that this recruiting class shouldn't knock Kalen and his recruiting as a whole because they're out recruiting like crazy. There's snowstorms in the Midwest and they're out there traveling and recruiting. And they are holding cocktail parties with every single head coach in the state of Washington, Oregon, and Idaho to try and build relationships. And so I definitely think that the ability to recruit is there, but the way the dice has rolled, we can't expect to be happy with this recruiting class. Right. And I think that one thing that'll make this recruiting class look really good. And there's still one big fish out there and that's Josh Connerly from Rainier beach. And if they're able to uh, get him onto this recruiting class, you feel really good about the projection uh, of this new staff. I believe Washington jumps two spots if they land him. Right. Yeah. And he's, I've seen him a bunch of times. Uh, I've seen him in games. I've seen him at showcases. He's, He's in the playoffs um, for basketball right now. Right. I, <laughs> he's he's one of the most athletic offensive linemen I've ever seen. Yeah. And I like that you kind of even talk about just offensive linemen and being an athlete who can do more than just that one position. And looking at a lot of these kids on the recruiting side of things on who just signed a few days ago, a lot of them have played both ways as well in high school. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and let's get into that. We're going to start with probably the, I would say, the headliner of the group, and that's Ryan Otten out of Tumwater. Um, Kayla, what do you got on him? Yeah, obviously, Ryan Otten, he was pretty much a huge favorite to go to UW just because everyone knows Cade. But number-wise, Ryan Otten out of Olympia was is six foot six, 225 pounds, four-star tight end. Number four prospect in the state of Washington. So while people are not happy about that, you got the number four star prospect in the state of Washington, number seven tight end in the entire nation. Mm-hmm. So other Pac-12 offers include Oregon State, Stanford, Arizona, ASU, Cal, Oregon, UCLA, Utah, you name it. They basically had offered him and how he plays is very similar to Cade in terms of being a good blocker while having great hands, plus a huge red zone threat with his size. Word on the street is he's actually well ahead of Cade in terms of his size and ability when Cade was in his position at this day and time when he was a senior in high school. And my fun fact, because it is a big headliner, I have to have a fun fact for him. He's also the grandson of a legendary Tumwater high school coach, Sid Otten, who won more games than any other high school coach in the state's history. Here's a a Mueller fact. Uh, Sid Otten left Coopville the year before my dad got to high school. So my dad never got days. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 He's one of the most decorated head. He is the most decorated head coach in Washington state history. He's 
um, a first ballot hall of famer. And the thing about Ryan Otten too, is like what you mentioned, uh, his from, from what some uh, talent evaluators have said is he's more polished as a receiver than Cade was. And although it, it seemed like it was a, a no brainer for Ryan to come to Washington, Stanford made a pretty big push as did Oregon state, but um, he decided to stay home at Washington. Yeah, that was kind of also announced that he would be committing before Jimmy Lake left. So Mm -hmm. the fact that Kalen could come in and still have him buy into this Washington program, because he easily could have been like, okay, you know, I'm going to jump ship to Jonathan Smith or David Shaw, but Kalen getting him to stay is huge for the program. Right. And anytime you have a kid that gets a Stanford offer, it's uh, a Stanford offer hits a little different than anywhere else, just because of the, uh, the academic standards it takes to get in there. And uh, if, if a player gets a Stanford offer that that's a big deal. Yeah. I fully believe we'll be seeing Ryan Otten on the field this season. Yeah. Uh, so another one of a Jimmy Lake holdover is Parker Brailsford out of Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, he's six two, two seventy five. He's a consensus three-star interior lineman. Um, he can play on the outside in high school, but he really projects as an inside guy at the next level. Um, from all the reports that I've seen, uh, he went uh, to Seguro and he won a state championship and he was playing against the best uh, offensive uh, defensive lineman in the state and he was dominating them. Uh, he's really athletic. He has shades of Nick Harris, not just the size, but the athleticism, the way that he moves. Um, he had some other PAC 12 offers as well, kind of like Nick Harris, not necessarily because of his size, not as highly recruited as some other players, but he has the athleticism and he has a strength that given a year in the program, he could be one that can be pushing for some playing time. And I think that you mentioned him being so versatile in terms of where he can play. That's going to get him to see that field so much quicker than if he only was able to excel on the inside or the outside or at center, but being able to move people around. And you talked about Nick Harris, Nick Harris was a center for Washington, got drafted by the Cleveland Browns and then a right guard goes out. And so what do they do? They move Nick Harris to right guard who didn't get drafted for that, but drafted because he was good at his position and because he can play more than one. And I think that makes him such a huge piece of the offensive line for Washington. Well, and being a center is also being kind of the quarterback of the offensive line too, right? So um, you look at Nick Harris and then Luke Wattenberg who played guard before they became the full-time center. Got to earn those little stars in the gold C. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, so next up, uh, for you, we have, uh, Tristan Dunn. He was one of those guys who wasn't offered by the previous staff, uh, Arizona state commit. Um, Kayla, what do you have on this big hitting safety? This was, I mean, everyone can be excited for Ryan Ott and everything. This is my favorite of the entire recruiting class out of Sumner, Washington, six foot three, one ninety. Three-star safety, number 21 safety in the nation, number five wow. prospect in the state of Washington. So you had Ryan Otten at four, Tristan Dunn at five. There you go. Right. And what's crazy is he has a three-star from 24-7 composite, but just 24-7 alone is a four-star. So take that if you like your stars for what you right. will. Right. Like you mentioned, uh, 
committing to ASU. He also had offers from Arizona, Utah, Wazoo. He committed in July, didn't sign on early signing day, and then decommitted from ASU the same day he got that Washington offer and committed to UW moments later. Always loved the hometown dogs and definitely wanted to play for them. He can easily play, play safety or nickel just based off of how athletic he is and how built he is. He even has some linebacker experience. So great ball skills, very quick at diagnosing and reading plays. And he was even this season's for a defensive player of the year for the South Puget Sound League and was the all South Puget Sound League's for a first team safety following his junior season. So a lot of talent there. He's very smart. He's very physical. If you like people who are hard hitters, such as Azim Victor, you will love Tristan Dunn for Washington. Yeah. And Tristan Dunn, I see somebody like, kind of like a, his ceiling is a Taylor rap kind of style player that can hit well, but he can also cover uh, better than some of the more lo- the safeties that you see that are more of your big hitter, strong safety kind of guys. I think that Dunn has the quickness to stay with uh, receivers uh, from all positions. And I think that just makes him such a talent, you know, I, the safety position is getting deeper and deeper. You saw a lot of uh, towards the end of the Peterson era, you had true freshmen playing there. Well, those true freshmen are juniors now. Um, so I think, the, and then Alex Cook has become sort of, in my opinion, an enforcer. So, uh, you know, get done in the system, let them learn from some of these guys who took their lumps earlier and are now becoming really good players. Uh, and I think you have a really uh, chance at a, at a star. I think he's going to be a little bit like Asa Turner where he may see the field a little bit, but I don't think he's going to start or get Mm -hmm. a lot of snaps in this first season, especially because he's not enrolling early for spring practices, Mm -hmm. but be fall camp when he actually gets to put on those Washington pads. But the very first game that I got to see in person of Tristan this season, their very first defensive drive, very first play (laughs) kid was went right up his side and forced fumble. Like he's such a hard hitter. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see. I know Kalen had kind of made a comment that they want him at safety and that's where he will be. But with the deteriorating linebackers in that room, it'll be interesting to see if they try and bulk him up and move him there. Yeah. That'll, I wonder about that as well for, uh, for really anybody or if, I mean, uh, the Cam Bright coming into the the program helps, but they're still pretty they're they're pretty light there. Yeah, yikes! Put me in, coach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next, Trevor up, put money on me, right? Yeah, yeah, yes, I will. Okay. Um, on my hospital bills. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, next, we have Desert Ridge's uh, pass rusher Lance Holtzclaw. Uh, Lance is six foot four, two hundred pounds. Uh, if Tristan Dunn's your favorite. Uh, Lance Holtzclaw is my favorite only because um, during my interview with him, uh, my th- at that time, my three-year-old son came in uh, and really wanted to say hi to Lance. And Lance took some time to say hi to my son as well. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, You're going to have to get him a jersey. A Holtzclaw jersey. Uh, you know yeah. what? That's not a bad idea. Um, but Lance, you know, he, he moved from, you look at his offers and 
you know, you have Washington, Boise State, Oregon State, then you have Boston College out of nowhere, which yeah. uh, if you know his story is that's where he lived for a lot, uh, most of his growing up life. So um, they knew him well, they offered him and it looked like that BC was probably going to get the commitment before Washington came in. Uh, I think that he has a chance. Um, he's one of those guys that's going to have to develop like he's 200 pounds going into college, you know, he's, he's really long and lanky. And, and if they can put some, some weight on him uh, and he, he's able to keep his explosiveness, he could be one of the most athletic pass rushers Washington has ever seen. Um, yeah. I think he's also, Oh, sorry. I don't know if you're done talking oh, about it. him. I was going to say that he and his instant impact almost reminds me of Buki a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe in the terms of not starting, but somebody who will see the field very frequently and will absolutely make plays just based off of film of his. Right. Yeah. And it would have to be really specific. It would have yes. to be in, in third and, and, you know, pat, obvious passing shit situations. Yeah. I just don't know if with his frame, you see him until his red shirt freshman year, because he does need to put on some weight to uh to be able to stand up to the beating that some of those uh tackles will give him yeah just definitely not kind of quite built yet for that running game you know but i think getting in that backfield is going to be an expertise of his right and high for for me he's a high ceiling kind of a player and a a player that i think that jimmy lake did a good job and his staff did a good job in identifying and uh, being able to get him in kind of under-recruited with a really high ceiling along those lines. uh, You and I are both at the FSP air game. The best receiver on the field was Denzel Boston and he's a Husky. Denzel Boston is scary. Good. Right. When we were at the FSP game, I was like, somebody check his ID. Like this is not a high school kid. Right. He is from Puyallup, a six foot 380 three-star wide receiver 17th in his class in the state and ranked the number 71st receiver in the nation by ESPN.com. Other Pac-12 offers were Arizona and ASU. A little shocking considering he did put on such a huge showcase at all the 77s at that FSP air game was one of the early signing day commits, kind of like you mentioned. And over his career, what I think is pretty interesting is he makes his catches count. And I think that what make, that's what makes a Sunday wide receiver a Sunday wide receiver compared to just playing on Saturdays. And he will play on Sundays strictly because, you know, this final season catching 105 passes for almost 1,600 yards and 23 touchdowns. So you're telling me in 10, 11 games he's catching two touchdowns a game, sign me up. Right. Yeah. And I think he has that ceiling too. I mean, he's six, three, one eighty. Uh, I, from what I saw, uh, not necessarily the burner that you would expect to see, but you know what, the way that he got open, the way that he uses the middle of the field and finds the soft spots in the defense, I think he could be a really, really good player. And I think that's, what's going to be most important for this Kalen DeBoer offense that, I mean, you want to assume it might be the same as we saw at Fresno state. Sure. Mm -hmm. In terms of not the most explosive in terms of, Hey, John Ross, can you get to the end zone in two seconds? Cool. Hey, awesome. But let's run some routes and let's get open and let's shake these defenders because that's where he really exceeds. 
Yeah. And, and I think that uh, a system that's just so uh, it, it basics, the wrong word, but good. It's, it's one of those that gets their gets athletes in space, I think could be really beneficial for Boston. Uh, next up, we have a transfer portal, Aaron Dumas. He's from um, New Mexico. Uh, I think that it, when you look at Aaron Dumas as a, um, as a recruit, um, he had ASU, Fresno State, Houston, San Diego State, and obviously New Mexico. And I think based on what I see, he, you know, he chose a team that had that of those teams listed, New Mexico isn't necessarily on the same level as obviously Arizona State, but even Fresno, Houston, and San Diego State, who are all those three teams compete with power five teams every year. Um Looking at Aaron Dumas, he's uh, he ran a four five five, so he's quick. Um, he's a guy that saw time early. Um, one hundred and thirty six attempts, six hundred fifty eight yards, two touchdowns, almost five yards a carry, um, and he had a over a hundred yard game uh, game against Fresno State. So I think that's one of the reasons why Kalen DeBoer. Uh, uh, I don't want to play him. He needs to be on my right, roster. Right. Uh, recruited him in high school and then uh, got gashed by him. Uh, although Florida uh, uh, Fresno State won the game, so um, you know that's it, he he got he got the best of both worlds. He won the game and now uh, Aaron is on his team. He's five nine, two hundred pounds. If we're being one hundred percent honest, I actually think that out of all of those in this class, I don't see him getting much playing time just because the running back room for Washington and the talent that's already there is so deep. Yeah. Nothing against him at all. But if we're talking about who can you realistically maybe expect to see the field, I, I have a hard time thinking that he is one of them. Yeah. I wonder about that too. Um, he obviously comes with some more experience than some of the other guys, but just looking at the, the running back room right now, you see, um, uh, Richard Newton, uh, as coming back, you have, um, uh, Cam Davis who saw a lot of time. And then after that, you saw a little bit of JV on Sunday, you have Emeka Megwa in the fold and then Caleb Berry as well. So where does Aaron Dumas fall in that? What, what role can he fill? Cause just looking at it on paper right now, you'd say uh, Newton and Davis at, well, probably Davis as you're um, getting the bulk of the carries with Richard Newton also probably honestly, probably splitting 50, 50. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of how Kalen wants to handle that situation. Right. I think if we are talking Jimmy offense, that's exactly how it would go. <laughs> as long as Richard Newton's not in the doghouse. <laughs> I had to say a real thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I what what he has that some of these other kids could have used, could have potentially had the leg up on was knowing the playbook because they had been sat for an extra year or they had played in games. Whereas Everyone's now getting the exact same brand new playbook. Everyone's trying to learn the exact same time. And so that I think him picking it up and executing it better than some of the kids who'd already done their time on the bench Mm -hmm. and watching and learning and getting some snaps or even meaningful snaps that I think that's the only way he sees, he sees the field. So it'll be interesting to see if he can do that. Right. 
and um i you know uh kind of going along the lines of guys who are transferring in that you know could see that should see the field immediately you have julie junior alexander almost like you look at you look at kaylin DeBoer coming in and writing one of the wrongs of the previous administration uh a guy who should have been a husky uh his former teammates are here he's a washington kid um kaylin DeBoer gets him uh what is your read on julian alexander obviously he's already played a little bit there in arizona state as well yeah okay between him and tristan it's a tie for the two that i'm really excited for (laughs) and being that transfer from asu is familiar with the aggressiveness of pac-12 play how anything can happen in the pac-12 he's originally from kennedy catholic high school here in burian like you were saying teammates of sam hewer and uh jabez tenne Six foot three, 189 wide receiver was a three-star transfer right now, but was a four-star out of high school. So is that because a little bit less playing time or, you know, not really sure there was seventh in his class in the state of Washington last season, while he was a commit 33rd wide receiver prospect in the nation. His downside is he's not crazy fast, but he does consistently get separation from his defenders has really soft hands, is a solid route runner, played DB a little bit in high school, if I remember correctly. And he finished his junior season at Kennedy in 2019 with 67 receptions for over 1,300 yards and 24 touchdowns in 12 games. So these receivers that are coming in have played in meaningful games, has shown product on the field, but can they now make that transfer in this Washington setting against other really good receivers? We'll see. Right. And um, I mean, his ability down the sidelines is one of the things that separates him and makes him a prospect. That's really intriguing. I, I have, I, I think he plays, I think he's going to be very much yeah. kind of how we saw with Jalen Polk uh-huh. being a transfer to Texas tech and then being named as a starter Come week one, I think we may probably will see the same thing with Junior Alexander taking Terrell Bynum's place as a starter. But again, there's a lot of time in that wide receiver room. <laughs> Romo Dunze is coming back. Jalen's here. There's so much talent. So we'll we'll see if he can get that nod. Yeah. And you know what? With with an offense that actually utilizes receivers, though, you can go four or five deep. I think that you're going to see junior Alexander on the field. I think you're going to see a package. Um, uh, what's the Michigan transfer kid that uh, did a lot of the returns. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, Giles Jackson. Giles Jackson. You're going to see some stuff for him. Um, I think you're going to see Jabez today uh, more. I think you're going to see a lot of these guys. There's, there's a lot of talent. And then you're, we haven't even mentioned Taj Davis. who is. Um, yeah. a, a great surprise. So I, I think junior Alexander would be best compared to Aaron Fuller. Um, I think Julian Alexander is taller though, but just not MT, like oh, kind just, of not fast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Not fast. Okay. Like John yeah. Ross, not fast. Like Dante, he's not going right. to break an NCAA record on returns, right. but okay. yep, yep, yep. I get make that. a lot of great catches and I he can it. get open. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm with you now. I I'm tracking what you're putting down. I agree with you. Everyone's tall compared to me. Like, oh, you're six foot three, you're six foot five. Okay, you're yeah. a skyscraper. Let's move on. <laughs> Twin Towers continue. I love it. Um, speaking of twins, we're gonna go to Jav- Javon 
uh, Armand and Javon Parker, they're both from uh, Missouri, Dearborn, Missouri, um, 6'4", 270, both of them. Uh, uh, Kalen DeBoer is kind of the guy that went after them. And uh, Could I you remember... imagine if one was only like five foot eight and the other is like six foot four? <laughs> I think we'd have some questions about some uh, uh, <laughs> uh, about their uh, their twinness, I guess. Um, <laughs> other one uses another as a football. Yeah, exactly. Um, so these two guys, uh, a little under recruited, um, Kalen DeBoer talked about that and somebody in the press conference asked him if maybe the reason why they were under recruited was more along the lines of, uh, they're kind of a, they're a package deal. And, um, he said that that was probably part of it, but DeBoer also said that after they got the, the, um, the offer from Washington, they were both then contacted by a lot of other programs and they wanted to stick with DeBoer in Washington. And, and now they're, they're Huskies. And both of these guys, they're big. Uh, they're going to be uh, my guess by the time they see the field, they're another high ceiling kind of guys. You're looking at, you know, Greg Gaines kind of players where they're going to be over 300 pounds and they're going to um, they're going to be uh, clogging the middle and um, you know, in the, you know, I think Greg Gaines is, would be, um, a ceiling for both of them. I love that comparison. I think that is perfect. And maybe a little bit Vita Vea just <laughs> because they're able great Gaines. I don't think on the backfield as much as Vita Vea. Sure. Whereas they have the ability and the tape showing them that they can do that. And the thing about them being a package deal that I actually like the fact that they you know, quote unquote or not quote more a package deal mm-hmm. is that when you're in these games and there are close games, or if you're losing and you're trying to come back in this, what better person right. to get you into this game than your twin? What better person right. to go to war with who, you know, no matter what will ab- absolutely have your back until the very end, your twin brother. And <laughs> I'm not saying that other players don't care about their teammates as much, but there's a bond there. Right. That is had. And I think a lot of the things, especially on the D line, twin telepathy, whether you believe it or not, you know, they, they just get each other. Right. And so I think that's a huge win. Yeah. I'm, I'm all for it. And I think that, you know, having them up here, I, I was interested seeing that they were up on a visit and looking into them. I think, especially with the class, this size, that's the time to swing for the fences and, I think it's a, I think it's a, a, a very fine pickup for Washington. Halen's first season. He's here two months. He's going to recruiting Missouri. Right. Like, that's wild. Let that sink in a little bit, you know, like this isn't the best class and it's not the top rated class that Washington has had. Uh-huh. It's not Oregon's class, but like, my God, they're, they're going off to Missouri in right. less than two months. Yeah. Imagine and- what's going to happen in two years. I I'm with you. I think that all, all roads are pointing up. Uh, with this program and the way that they recruit and the way that they make relationships. And we're uh, so excited. Wait till we start crying after we lose. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hopefully not like (laughs) Portland state, but (laughs) (laughs) this sounds very familiar. Oh God. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The next up we have a Cerritos college, um, Demario King helping with that linebacker uh, issue. Um, What do you have on him? Yeah, the Juco kid coming, like I like how you said, out of Cerritos College from Los Alamitos, California. 
six foot three, 205 pounds, three star, 13th in his class in the state in terms of a Juco transfer. So that's big there. Had one other Pac 12 off- offer from Arizona. He's already enrolled at UW, one of two. Yeah. So already getting that spring practice in is going to be very big for him. Kind of talked about the disintegration of linebacker group and, you know, where is it going to stand there? But as a sophomore in 2021 for his Juco college was he was second in the team with 57 total tackles over 11 games, big number played wide receiver and safety in high school. So he's very versatile, has great speed and great hands can read plays really well. So I don't think he moves from linebacker position, but I mean, I kind of think a little bit along the lines of a taller Ben Burkirvin, just with how good of hands and the kind of speed to get in the backfield. Yeah. And he's kind of got the same build. He's not necessarily as big as, as some of the other linebackers that have come through. <laughs> I would still put money on ZTF. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, next up we have Jordan Perryman. He's a, um, he's another transfer portal guy from, um, uh, 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 UC Davis. Um, he's six foot. It looks like that he's going to come in immediately and, and compete for one of those outside corner positions. Um, he's long, he's, uh, he's a tough, he's what Washington fans have come to look for in, an outside line, uh, cornerback. He can, he, he's not afraid to come in and get his nose dirty. He can blitz, uh, and he can, and he's a ball hawk. So, uh, a lot of teams kind of shied away from him last year. So uh, I think that's just an absolute upgrade when it comes to competition, um, at the position. I would make him a mix of Kyler in terms of build yeah. and the athleticism and Buki in terms of like, watch out you got a freight train Mm -hmm. coming at you right because very physical or kevin king kevin king's a good kind of mix of both Uh kevin king didn't really blitz that much whereas buki could and so can Mm -hmm. he but this one it's he has i think probably the highest potential to come in and potentially start right away Yeah. yeah 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 because you're losing trent mcduffie you're losing kyler uh buki's gone that's three starters right there. Right. So the ability to come in and th- there's tons of other DBs we're waiting. Mm-hmm. Michelle Powell is now on a scholarship. So right. that shows that they mean business in the DB room. But I fully believe that he is probably the most likely to start first out of all of these, which is kind of a hot take because I know we have another person to talk about. Yeah. And that's uh, that's JV. Are you talking about JV on green? No, I'm actually talking about uh, Michael. Oh, 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 just coming in and starting right away. Yeah. Not, not at that position. Oh, 100%. We're going to save him for the last. Yeah. Um, uh, what do you have on JV on green? Since I just mentioned him Lamar, uh, out of Texas, he was one of those guys that was offered late, uh, kind of a diamond in the rough kind of a player. He's not ranked nationally in the composite rankings. Um, still a three-star guy. Uh, he's another safety kind of player, six one one eighty five. What do you got on him? This one's hard, and yeah. I'm not siding with no stars or stars matter. But this is one that I would fully predict transfers in the future, mm. just because I think the safety position is pretty locked for a little bit, just in terms of the other talent that is in that room. 
whether it's Asa, Tristan Dunn's now in there. You can even have Alex Cook moving around with the nickel and safety position. Cam Williams. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so just based on the line of how that is going, I don't see him getting any meaningful reps, which is hard to say about these kids. But if we are breaking down this signing class and trying to pick out the diamonds in the rough, I think he could be a superstar for another team. I just don't know if it's Washington. Yeah. He's one of those guys that I think that he's going to, if he sees the field, it's going to be one of those guys. It's, it's going to take him a while to get onto the field, right? Like um, development's going to be key for him. This is only power five offer. Yeah. Um, He visited Utah, but they didn't offer him. Uh, Washington did. So he signed there. Um, However, it is good that Washington is getting in the Texas kids again. Oh, a hundred percent. And the thing is, is it, it doesn't matter. Like whatever we say, um, these kids, he's, can... he's going to be the next Tom Brady, just because I said, he's not right. going to play any meaningful staffs at Washington because that's how it works. <laughs> right. Which would be fine. Um, and we'd be <laughs> totally happy for it, but yeah, I think he's a developmental guy that you can, um, stick in the weight room and, uh, have, you know, juice develop him. And, uh, he yeah. could be a guy that helps, uh, in his redshirt junior year. Um, a guy who's not going to be sitting around for his retro junior year because he is uh, an upperclassman already is Cameron Bright from uh, Pitt. He was their captain. He was their linebacker. He was their tackler. Uh, this is a massive get for Washington um, off of a team that really came out of, you know, not came out of nowhere. They've been improving for a while, but takes down Clemson. Um, represents- yeah, let's go. Right. And, and Washington got their captain. And um, this is the one that, you know, you look at him having uh, Carson Bruner, having Daniel Haimuli, uh, Eddie Ulufusio, uh, this room, although maybe not as many bodies as we're used to, is becoming extremely talented. And um, he's going he's gonna to see the field. I'm – gosh, I've already said it about two about being favorite. Huh. But this – I think this was the biggest shock. Oh yeah. I had no clue this was coming. This one was the biggest shock because how many times, like you said, can take a team captain who knocked down a, I mean, Clemson didn't look like Clemson this year. Let's, let's call a spade a spade, but But you still see it's still Clemson, right? It's still Clemson. Washington lost to Montana state. So yeah, Ah. it's Clemson. Like the fact that you were able to pull him, from that program and convince them to come and buy in to Seattle. Mm -hmm. It's huge. It's huge. And it was when I first thought I was like, no way, no way, but it is going to be, he, he will absolutely see the field probably first game. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't, I I don't see any way that uh, a guy like him. Could you imagine being a captain and not seeing the field? <laughs> oh no! I don't, I don't know if that's possible. Like, that's that's kind of how I feel about it. Like, uh, Kaylin, we need to have a, an agreement here. Like, I will play, right? Right. Like, you look at that, and um, I don't know. Like, he came from somewhere where he was all over. You know, he was he was there. He was their guy, right? So but Travis not, die leaving Oregon. You're right. Like, he's not what? going somewhere to sit on the bench for his senior year. He's going to oh, play. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, before we get to the last one, there is also a late 
um, a late transfer punter, Kevin Ryan from Idaho state. Um, all I know about him is he's a punter from Idaho state. All I know is he's not going to be race Porter. Uh, RIP race Porter. Nobody like not be. actually, but like really sad. I was like, you couldn't have used like a Britain Covey like year. He's right. been here longer oh, than you be, have. And that would be great. Um, yeah. th- those are big shoes to fill and yeah. uh, you know, hopefully he's the one, but we're going to, f- we're going to wrap it up with uh, Michael Penix jr. Uh, I think that when he entered the transfer portal, like Washington was definitely one of those places that uh, had a shot at getting him with Kalen DeBoer's connection. Uh, oh, yeah. I listened to an interview with Ryan Grubb and he had said that he had Heward and um, Morris in on a, uh, when he had, a, he was having conversations with them and getting to know them. And he said, you know, like it's nothing against you guys, but we're, you know, we're going to bring in an experienced quarterback. Like we're not going to go into the season with a redshirt freshman and a sophomore quarterback. And no. um, so it wasn't something that caught them by surprise. Um, this is a guy who the best year that he had was under DeBoer. And uh, I guess, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah. First off, I think it says a lot about Kalen and the program that he's trying to run, bringing in, you know, Sam Heward, UW prodigy, Dylan Morris has been the starter for two years and saying, Hey, like, I know you've been a starter for two years, but this is my ship. And I'm bringing in another person not to just get practice reps, but potentially just in case compete. Exactly. And being a transfer from Indiana, like you were saying, originally from Tampa, Florida, part of the 2018 class, six foot three, 218 pound quarterback. It's big boy. (laughs) Three-star transfer and three-star to high school was the 21st rated pro style quarterback in his class. He actually had other packed up offers, Oregon and Arizona. I think I've said Arizona every time. Arizona talks to everybody. <laughs> it's, the, it's the Oprah of the Pac-12. It sounds like it. Yeah, the the new Nevada. Right. <laughs> Nevada's oh not right, offering right. Arizona is. But a team captain in 2020 and 2021. So says a lot about him as well as a person aside from being a quarterback, but went 12 and 5 as a starter. And as a redshirt junior in 2021, started the first five games prior to a season ending injury. So not against him, completed 87 of 162 passes little bit of a red flag that you're only about 50%, but it went for 939 yards prior to that injury. And before then led the big 10 in passing yards, led the big 10 in yards per game, led the big 10 in passing touchdowns incompletions and attempts. So, and and now his O's, he's the head coach. Exactly. There's a lot of good things going that way. You know, is, is it a knock on Big Ten? I don't think so, considering how good they seem to be looking. But that he has the makings to be a very, very good quarterback. And while we're talking about this recruiting class and just the situation, obviously I want your thoughts on him. Mm-hmm. But then I also want your thought on maybe Sam Heward and Dylan Morris. If he does, if, if Michael Penix does get the starting position, do they both stay or does one leave? Yeah, that's an interesting question because, you know, the – I remember when uh, everybody was kind of thinking that um, uh, uh, Jake Hayner was coming back, that one of the, I was like, not a chance. Yeah. Well, it was like the, I heard some other podcast saying like, well, all you got to say is the kids is like, look, he, he usually doesn't make it through the season. So you just got to wait till he gets hurt. Then you get your chance. It's like, 
that's not much of a recruiting <laughs> pitch. Like, don't worry, we're going to get this one hurt so you can play. So, hey, so I know this car usually breaks down after like 20,000 miles, but the first <laughs> right. 19,000, you're going to love it. Right. Like I don't, I, I don't love that pitch. And so like, yeah, Penix has got some injury issues, but um, I think you tell both of those guys, like, look, you're coming into a brand new system that is uh, a lot more freeing um, and you're going to get every chance to compete. And if you don't, that's just going to help you because you're going to get to learn this. And by the time it's your turn and you guys will get the opportunity to compete against each other, um, uh, we're going to give you every opportunity. You're going to be prepared and it's not going to be second and nine and you're not going to hand the ball off and go up the middle for no yards. So I think that with that in mind, uh, I, I, I generally, I genuinely do think both of those guys are going to stay because I think that uh, Dylan Morris is a, He's, I mean, he's Graham Kapowson. He's, he's a Washington kid and he's probably close to getting his degree. So why is he going to leave before he gets that degree? So, um, I think that you see both of those guys stick around this year. There's a really tough competition after that. I still think Sam Heward could win the job over Penix now. I agree. So, uh, and I'm going to be rooting for that because that means we get three to four solid years of a quarterback who beat out one of the best from the big 10 during DeBoer's tenure. I'd take that. A hundred percent. And, you know, I think we all knew that Sam Heard was not going to get the starting position last season. There's just wasn't happening, but. Which is a good thing now. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. We saw the apple cup, but what Sam Heard and Dylan Morris has over Penix is receiver quarterback relationships mm-hmm. and you can talk I talked to um Mark Pattison who was on really 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 good UW team <laughs> right really 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 good and he said that they would break into Husky Stadium and him and his quarterback would just go and they would throw for hours mm-hmm. just to throw and the amount of reps that Heward and Morris has taken with these receivers, I think will give them the one up on Penix, but Penix being familiar with DeBoer, that might be his one up. So we'll see who wins. Right. And now you have two uh, high school receivers from, you know, Kennedy Catholic there with Heward now. I think there's a lot. And and honestly, like Roma Dunze and Jay McMillan, they've caught balls from both of those guys. And uh, I think that, you know, we know, Honestly, we don't, we don't, I don't, I don't think we've seen either one of Morrison Heward's ceiling, not obviously because they're young, but I think that you're going to see some real development from a guy who knows how to coach quarterbacks that they haven't with had. an actual quarterback coach. Yep. And they haven't had who that would before, have thought, so. who would have thought I, you, cause we know that Dylan Morris has all, he was a four-star kid coming out. He has a good arm. He had good touch. We yeah. saw what he did in 2020. We saw the regression in 2021. We saw what happened when Sam, after a year of Sam Heward being in that offense, um, it just, you know, that's not what they look like. They're not, they're not bad quarterbacks and that system made them look uh, a lot worse than what they are. So like who knows, you, man, this, like, like this a joke. Spring, right. This spring is so important for that. I think that's one of the biggest things that you're going to have to watch because the defense is still going to be solid. Uh, I think that if they can find some co- quality quarterback play, they're again, competing for the North. Yeah. I think for the first time in a long time, I'm nervous about the defense 
just because this is the first time without any sort of Jimmy Lake defense that has all of these amazing qualities about it that you've never had to worry about. You you don't know now. You don't know if these defensive corners say, you know what, sure, we'll go up a touchdown, but what we have a capable offense, you know? So, so I'm nervous. And I think that we are going to be in for a long off season in terms of shocks, surprises, maybe not so shocking surprises. And it's going to be interesting to see how everything shakes out and who the starting 11 on offense and 11 on defense are come September. Right. It's an uncomfortable position to be in yet again. Yeah. It like makes my palms sweaty. (laughs) You have your top three corners all gone. And, uh, you know, Washington's been there before and, uh, you could kind of rest on the laurels of Jimmy Lake before and Jimmy didn't leave the the secondary room bare. Yeah. Um, so there's still going to be some of the really positive things that, that Lake did here, here. Yeah. Um, and hopefully they're, they're continuing to be developed and, uh, we look at it just like, oh my God, what are we going to do when, uh, Sidney Jones and Kevin King go to the NFL. Yeah. I'm just like the, like, this is fine meme where it's like fire in the background. I'm like, this is fine. (laughs) I got to tell you, man, like looking at the names that are in there though, um, as long as the the learning curve isn't too steep, uh, I think Washington is going to be just fine. Which I mean, it doesn't seem like you need rocket science to learn this offensive playbook compared to the last one that freshmen couldn't even dare look at it. Exactly. (laughs) Well, um, yeah, just a, a, a really interesting, um, not a not a recruiting class that's going to light the world on fire and, and get on Josh Pate's show or anything like that, but um, a class nonetheless that has some guys that could be instant impact, and there's some guys in there that, if developed, uh, could be really special players for the university. So, uh, Kayla, final thought? I think as long as any of these players don't end up on – any of like the bad beats shows it's a good recruiting class that's a good way to put it so for trevor mueller and kayla olin go dogs go dogs